have you ever wanted to speak to famous dead people? We're going to be able to do that today because we have with us Lisa Najar, is, and she is an international psychic medium and author of Dying to Tell You, Channeled Messages from the Famously Dead. And we're talking about people like Jesus, Mother Mary. We're talking about Albert Einstein. We're talking about Elvis, um, John Lennon, George Harrison, uh, Marilyn Monroe, Jane Mansfield, Jane Russell, Shirley Temple. So we're going to find out what they had to say. And uh, thanks for being here, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much, Scott, for having me. It's wonderful. Absolutely. So this is fascinating. So you were probably channeling people um, for and, and at just regular people that, that uh, weren't famous. And then what one day a famous person came through. Is that how it all started? Well, I've been a medium basically my whole life, but I really didn't do it for for as a profession. In fact, I only did it for friends and family when they when they when people would come or when they would ask. So, but Walt Disney showed up one day. Mm. I was at uh, some lakes in Canada, beautiful what what do we call fifth dimensional lakes. They're very beautiful near Banff, Alberta. Why do you call them fifth dimensional lakes? They are. They're apparently uh, the place where Archangel Michael goes when he's on the earth. Apparently so. And if you go there, you'll know what I'm talking about, Scott. Where is this? In Alberta, Canada, uh, right near Banff, the Rocky Mountains. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful lakes. Uh, Lake O'Hare, Lake Emerald, uh, Lake Louise, and Lake Moraine. Gorgeous. It's an energy vortex? Totally. Okay. Totally. And I was there with a couple friends, one of whom is a medium. And suddenly, my friend said, Walt Disney's here for you. And that was a shock. And apparently what he wanted to say was never to give up on my dreams and that he would help me. And what he was referring to was a spiritual comedy TV show that had been downloaded to me a few years earlier. And I didn't know what to do with because I'm not in the TV industry. So I pitched it around a little bit and then I sort of set it aside. Well, Disney came and said, no, don't give up on your dream and I'm going to help you get that on TV. So that's how it all began. And then a couple years later, he came through to me and said, Lisa, I have a project for you. I would really like it if you could help us. It's going to be a book. It's going to be famous historical figures and celebrities that have passed. We uh, we have something to say, and we believe uh, that you could be the voice for us. And it would help you to get out on your spiritual path, which was always to help raise consciousness on the planet even though I actually was a court reporter is what I was doing. Hmm. But I did side projects that were always in the vein of raising consciousness on the planet. That's my passion in this world. So Walt Disney spearheaded this project. Yes, he did. Between him and Abe Lincoln, those were the two sort of main main uh, people in this project. Well, what message, let's go to Abe Lincoln for a moment. What message did he want to convey in the, from the afterlife that he didn't feel people knew but needed to know? Well, one of them was that he used mediums himself. And not everyone knows that. Mm. I mean, it's it's out there, you know, but it's not a, a it's a fun fact, but it's not a real fact. Okay. And uh, he did. His wife did all the time and he did as well. So that was one of them. But mainly it was, of course, about unity, equality, peace and love and all of that wonderful uh, messaging. So that was his message that we need to form a 
better union? Yeah. Well, yes. He said, I drafted the agreement and, 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 but you people are living it. Mm. Now let's live it. Right. It's up to you. It's much harder to live it than draft it, but, but we know you can. And so, yes, it was about love and, and oneness really. To form yeah, a more perfect union. So I'm guessing, was he spiritual when he was alive? You think? Oh, yes, he was very spiritual. And in fact, he had a woman that came, Nettie Colburn, uh, that used to come to the White House and instruct them. She would go into a full uh, trance channel and just speak in a different voice and everything. And she talked with him about many, many things. Hmm. So not a lot of people know that that story. But yes, yes. So that that is verifiable. I'm not sure if it's verifiable at this point, and it's not in my book actually okay. either. But uh, he that he told me that oh. he does use mediums and all of that. I knew that story from before. Sure. Okay. All right. So um, let's go back to uh, we were talking about what were we talking about? Walt. Walt. And what was his message? What did he feel compelled to convey from the afterlife? Walt Disney first started out talking about, of course. Uh, following our passion and keeping that uh, spirit of a child, which you would expect. But then he went into kind of a somber message, and it was really for parents who have lost children. So he talked about what happens to children on the other side and how, of course, they're happy and free and 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 joyful and playful and and they want to move on and just be in joy but of course for the grieving families that's off that's a tall order to ask for for them to suddenly be okay but he wants to really share the message that your your children are fine they're more than fine they're more alive than they ever were mm. and they don't really want to go too far while their parents are still grieving like that so they don't I would say move, move on, move too far. They don't okay. fulfill and express all the joy that's there and, and take advantage of all the beauty that's there because they're, they really want to make sure their parents are okay. And so his message is really to, if at all possible parents uh, know that your, your kids are alive and well and, and enjoy mm-hmm. and that they're with you all the time. So it's just a, it's kind of a reminder for parents and asking for a lot, yes, but he's speaking on behalf of the children. That's amazing. And it also makes sense when you feel the kind of person he was and what he was doing and how he wanted to create the happiest place on earth and all that joy there. That's That makes sense that he would be an advocate for children who passed. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, he's working with the children when they come over. And uh mm-hmm. And he, I think he called it a candy land, that, that it's a beautiful, happy thing that's going on over there. And I mean, I spend a lot of time on the other side myself and oh my gosh, it's truly amazing. Do you, so it sounds like he's created a theme park there. Yes. And what is that like? Well, he didn't get into a whole bunch of details, but uh, no, I didn't go, I didn't visit, but he said, uh, I, I think he said something like, take Disneyland and, you know, multiply that. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. And the kids are truly happy. I mean, everybody's actually pretty happy when they cross over. They Mm. just are. I wonder if they called it, it's a small heaven after all. Oh, Scott, Mm. that's cute. (laughs) It's really cute. So tell me about George Harrison and John Lennon, but we'll start with George Harrison. George Harrison is my very favorite guest. Uh, and I shouldn't have favorites, I know, 
but he is. And when he would come in, I was always confused. Is it Jesus or is it George? They would often come in looking the same in these oh. white robes. Yes, he would have white robes. And I would, and I'd see him coming from afar and I'd say, is that you, Jesus? Is that you, George? I can't. Hmm. And, and eventually I asked, why do you come in like this together? And George shared with me that he's kind of job shadowing Jesus right now. Mm. He is. He's, uh, he's going to come back as a, as a enlightened or, or as a more of a spiritual teacher. And, uh, of course he recognizes that by the time he comes back, we're going into this this thing they call ascension. Mm. And by the time he comes back, he says, you probably won't need me that way. Mm. But he is, he's he's on a very spiritual mission and he's he kind of always has been. And he felt that in this life, he lived it well. He did what he came to do. He managed to still balance that with his spiritual self. Uh, he didn't go too far to the to the ego side, mm. but he, you know, he had he had some of that but that he tried his best to balance both worlds and hold both in his world. And, uh, but now he's thrilled to be doing what he really loves, which is more of just helping people in the spiritual aspect and soul work. So helping them ascend. How would you describe to people what the ascension process is? What, what is it? How long has it been around? I'm not an expert, Scott, but from what I understand from what spirits shared with me and what I've, I've heard, but, uh, so the ascension, basically, we're in a third dimensional uh, reality, and it's what I understand to be a survival consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we're all here to, to work our program and grow and evolve ourselves, but through survival type uh, needs. Um, when we go into the fifth dimension, it's going to be, we're always going to be evolving. We're always going to be growing. That never changes. We do it in heaven and here, and we do it everywhere, but it's no longer survival anymore. It's going to be done in what's called a creation consciousness. So it's all about the creation and all our survival needs will be met, which is amazing because every, that's what we all struggle with is money and survival and relationships and all, oh, oh, you know, getting it all put together. So in actually the fifth dimension is here now and people can choose to step into it. They can step in and out. They can work on spending as much time there as possible with that unconditional love, but it requires working through those third dimension issues. Absolutely. And in fact, um, a spiritual teacher came through to me in a session, uh, the last few sessions with this one particular, uh, friend of mine. And, um, He's been coming and giving uh, messages for the world, and I actually just posted on Facebook on the anniversary of his death, but he talked about a, a seven-year situation starting last year. So we're in year two, and then five more, and he said, gave great advice about cleaning up our act and really getting our relationship to money in order, how we're attached or not, right. uh, getting our relationships, period, in order. If there's people that you haven't forgiven, forgive them. If there's things you need to understand, this is the time. And really clean it up, because one thing that's kind of scary, but it's true about the fifth dimension. When we get fully into it, Scott, what happens is we can read minds again. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, right now you ask yourself, do you have a mind that you'd want to be read right now? Right. Do we, are all our thoughts clean and clear? Well, I know mine aren't always. So this is a time to really, um, Spend more time with spirit, connect more, connect lovingly in in all kinds of ways. And Elvis talks a lot about random acts of kindness, kindness in general, and how how, um, absolutely essential it is. If there's one thing I think that he got across, it's it's kindness matters. Yes. So. Okay. 
and let's go to let's go to Jesus for a moment or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first encounter with him? I'm sure you remember that. My first encounter with him, actually, well, I've had a lot because I'm close to him and Mother Mary all my life, and and uh, but one really profound one wasn't to do with the book. Actually, it was uh, one day he just showed me uh, a movie film of murderers, rapists, pedophiles, um, thieves, adulterers. He showed me a movie film with clips from each of those kind of the worst of the worst, Mm -hmm. right? And in every case, he would stop the film and he said, what do you see here? And I said, they're perfect and beautiful. Then he'd show me the next clip of the next person doing some heinous thing. What do you see here? And I'd say, he'd said, or I'd say they're they're perfect and beautiful. How could you say that? I I mean, I know that's the goal. Uh, to attain, but you were already there? Well, why I said that is because I was able to, he was showing me the true self of each of Uh, those people. So all I connected with was their beautiful divine light. And each case, I said, they're perfect and beautiful, perfect and beautiful. mm -hmm. He went through the list of it. And then he said, and this was like in a past life regression kind of where I was back in, in the, I was actually in the in-between worlds. So I was I had died in a past life. I was in the in-between world planning this life. That's where he showed this to me. And he said, now I want you to go back into this new life and tell the world what I have shown you here. And my first words out of my mouth were, oh, but I can't. I'm not worthy to share that message. And he stopped me and said, what what are you, Lisa? And I said, oh, my God, I'm perfect and beautiful. It was pretty – it was so profound. I've often said to friends – Short of having, giving birth to my son, that was the most profound experience of my life. When did that happen? Gosh, that was uh, probably, I'm not sure on the exact dates, but that was 15 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with it. I actually investigated, I was living in Canada and I investigated going into prisons and and passing that message on to these people that have committed these crimes and just say, no, 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 you're so perfect. You're beautiful. Now, how would you explain that they're perfect and beautiful to someone who only sees them as a pedophile or a murderer? Well, the Dalai Lama apparently once said, most recently, when somebody asked him, why aren't you angry with the the Chinese? And he said, but why would I be? First of all, I know that it's karma. And I know that we must have done something in a past life to them like this, and that they are doing back to us to balance this karma. Mm -hmm. I know that this life is not the only life. And so it's that same principle because I, I've understood this now and I'm being shown that. And especially when the deceased, even deceased loved ones come through for my clients, they'll often say, what happened in this life was karmically set up from other lifetimes. The, I look at it like this. Our lifetime right now is basically the, the monitor. But there's a hard drive. And in that hard drive, it contains all of these past lives. And we are coming to balance karma with people. And we are coming to learn things and experiencing things. And um, so so these people, yes, they may have done what they did, but so have I. I've seen lifetimes where I have, you know, been a been everything. I've been a pauper, a princess, I've been a um, a killer and a, and a, and a queen. I've been a shaman and a, and a spiritual leader. We've been everything. Right. All of us have. So we've all killed someone. We've all done all these things. We've done big things, bad things, small things, good things. Has different genders. 
as different genders. Um, you know, we come into our lifetimes with uh, somebody that now is our mother. But and and in fact, I just did a session the other day with a with a fellow, and they wondered why their father was so abusive. And the father came in, and 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 actually a higher being came in to explain how it all worked. And apparently, this fellow had in the very last lifetime taken the baby when she had had or he had he had had a little child and basically left it on a doorstep so completely just threw the baby away so we don't know in this lifetime why this thing has happened to us why that thing i think the main thing what i have come to realize and it's hard sometimes to remember but i try really hard to remember when something say negative happens is that all right something's being balanced I'm going to accept that there are things I cannot see about this situation and it's all in right and perfect order. It's divine. And um, so there's not a tit for tat and, oh, you did this to me, so you're just a bad person. No, you're doing something right now. And for all I know, you have contracted with me to come and do, you know, to steal something from me. So I have to learn forgiveness because if nobody does anything to me, I can't learn forgiveness perhaps. There it is. Yes. That's that's it. Because to experience this reality, to experience forgiveness, someone has to smite you, do something unto you, and and ultimately, if you if you are a spiritual person, if you understand there are many lives, and that this is just a, an illusion, it's it's of course it's very difficult if it happens to your child, to some. It's it's but then many people believe that that's what we came here to experience, yes. whatever that is. Before we go further, before we get into. Um, Let's see, um, Elvis and Mother Mary. Um, I just want to—I forgot to say that uh, my name is Scott Ware, and I'm the publisher and editor of Radiance Magazine, Integrative Wellness at its Best, which is found in 660 locations in Southern California at high vibrating locations, and uh, it's also online at radiancemagazine.org. And your website, Lisa, is very, actually very simple. It's four 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 books. Number four, number four, number four, books.com. And what people are going to find your books. What other books do you have there? Well, that's the only book that I have there. And then I offer my private uh, sessions. I do um, psychic work. I do psychic matchmaking. Well, that's what you, that's what you meant by books. They can books appointments with you too. Oh, well, I guess so. But there will be another book. I've already, ha- I already have a few guests for done for my second book. So there will be many books, sure. but, um, well, I don't know many, uh, but mm-hmm. there'll certainly be another one, but yes, I do, um, psychic work, psychic matchmaking. I do mediumship work and I do also, and I love this one. I do hospice mediumship. So for people making that transition, they're frightened. They're so scared, of course, because they don't know what's coming. Mm. And there's no more hope. They can't, they don't have hope to have a cure, but I I tend to be able to give them hope actually about what's coming. And it's awfully nice. Mm. It really is. So I I find that that's very sacred work and it's it fills my soul when I do it. I'm sure it does. That that is amazing. Um People can also book with you one-on-one remotely. You do a lot of over-the-phone consultations or readings. Yes, I do. I work with people in Europe and Australia almost every day. Uh, so, um, yes, I, I do phone readings, and they're just as effective as in person. Absolutely. A lot of people don't understand that. but And I didn't 
as a client with psychics, I always thought, oh, if I can't go be right in person, it's not going to be good enough. Oh, it is because energy is energy. And I get a, a very strong connection with people and spirit can be everywhere. And it's, it's quite lovely. And uh, so, yes, I, I do sessions all over the world all day long. Okay. And I know my personal experiences with intuitive readings that the best intuitive readers are also healers because they're giving information that helps people move on, that helps people fill the gaps. Um, or it's a, it's a piece of information that's right outside their field of vision and they kind of know it's there, but they don't want to acknowledge it maybe because there's pain and it's, and they've gotten used to not dealing with it. But then the intuitive reader sees that they can actually move past a block if they do acknowledge it and embrace it and, and look at it to, to take away its power. Is that something you've encountered a lot? Oh, yes. And in fact, I was almost going to start a whole group of of uh, privates called uh, Ancestral Soul Healing, because what I'm finding is when my clients, some of them will come to me and then their deceased loved ones will come. Well, oftentimes it could be a parent that maybe was an alcoholic. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they weren't perfect. They didn't meet all our needs for whatever reason. And uh so these beautiful souls come in and sometimes with guilt and shame or sadness, mm-hmm. and they, they, they have a higher perspective now on what went wrong and why they did what they did. So I really help these, these uh, clients to, to really see the whole picture, number one, and offer that healing to them because now their parents dead, they feel they're trapped and they can't get resolution for these, these d- family dynamics that didn't go right and this unmet needs and the this unforgiveness is haunting them and 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 kind of wreaking havoc even on their health. So I find that a session sometimes with a parent that's remorseful or just wants to explain certain things that happen or or a brother that maybe took off with money or just these family dynamics that go on um just hearing some of this stuff my clients often say that it's like you know, pounds just lifted off their shoulder and that they now have this beautiful feeling of forgiveness and peace. It's mostly peace. Mm. They can finally move on after maybe years of agonizing about certain things. I'm thinking of one client, her brother committed suicide and she was a therapist and a, and a really well-known one. And uh, of course she agonized. How could I have not seen that coming? How did I, you know, how come I couldn't have helped him? And that's a common thing if you're in that helping and healing world, right? Well, anyways, the brother came and he explained that it was all set up. And now that shocked me, Scott, because most suicides are not set up. Most suicides don't come that way. But this was one very rare one where it was set up for her learning. They collaborated together because she had this idea that she could save everyone. Mm. And they set this up before they came. For this to happen. And she said, oh my gosh, I have agonized for seven years about this. And now it's over. I feel so free now. And wow. she's contacted me since and said, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's healing. That's healing. Mm. That's healing. Wow. Okay. Um, let's talk about Mother Mary. What message does she have? Oh, Mother Mary is so beautiful. And I have been with her for for forever, I think. I have a real close bond with her. And she's helped me through lots of personal things all through my life. Uh, She talked about, of course, uh, she actually gave uh, techniques to help us when we're judging others. Mm -hmm. Just the little, again, these are little things, but they add up. It's easy to judge others. It's easy to get our feelings hurt. And we're human, right? And 
she just talked about uh, seeing them in different ways and how we could do that and uh, about how really, again, love is all that matters. Love is it. Well, we're judging others because we're still judging ourselves, right? Oh, absolutely. We're the worst critics, our own worst critics. Truly, nobody else judges like we do. And then we're projecting out. Projecting out. And and in fact, not only projecting out, but we're drawing to ourselves those very qualities that we dislike so much mm-hmm. in ourselves so that they can be in front of us, so they can trigger us, so we can go, oh, wait a minute, I guess I am somewhat selfish because I can't stand that person's selfishness. So where in my life am I being selfish, even mm-hmm. to myself? Yes. And let me uh, correct that and focus, like, again, take the log out of my eye mm-hmm. and, and stop looking at it in yours. And that's honestly one of the biggest things. And I think a lot of the new age healers now and a lot of even traditional healers are starting to really talk about that a lot is how, uh, of course, they're all mirrors and we're projecting everything and really step away from our judgment over there and go, okay, well, something in me obviously is triggering me about that. And I couldn't understand that because I once had a friend who was really cheap, like frugal, I guess frugal, but I, 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 back in the day, I said, oh, they're so cheap. And I remember that bugged me. And a friend said to me, okay, Lisa, look at where you're cheap. And I said, but I'm not. You know I'm not. I'm a Leo, for God's sakes. I'm so generous. And she said, oh, but it's not only in, in, with money. It's where are you cheap with your time? Where are you cheap with uh, your, your affection or any of your energies? And I went, oh, yeah. Okay, so that's what we have to look at is just recognize it and then bless them and thank them for showing us what needs to be looked at in ourselves and let them go and then start working on ourselves, you know. So it could be a very good exercise to just sit and write as a prompt what bugs us about other people or the world. Just write that down, write what, what irritates us. That's right. And then we look at it as a mirror. That's right. Totally. And the things that you don't feel a lot of charge on, it's okay. So Mm -hmm. if I walk down the street and I see somebody that's, you know, shooting needles in their arm or something like that, I don't get jazzed by that. I I don't get a charge on that Mm -hmm. because that isn't necessarily something that I'm working on. But if I, but if somebody like in this case, when somebody was cheap with me or, or, Mm -hmm. or maybe judged me or gossiped or something, if I get a charge on that, uh, and to the level we get upset is the level it's in ourselves. And all that really has to happen, which Mother Mary's talked about and Jesus talked about in the book, all we have to do is recognize that we ourselves hold that same trait. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about healing it. It's not even about getting rid of it, finding ways to get rid of it. It's all about just loving that we have that inside of us, which actually goes right back to what Jesus first said when he showed me those 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 people. Right. We have all of that in us. We're all victims and villains. We're all paupers, princesses, we're everything. So just loving the fact that we aren't perfect, that we have, well, we're ultimately perfect, but that we have all these human abilities and qualities and we've done human behaviors that we're not, that kind of missed the mark. Mm. And if we can just accept that, yes, I'm judgy, I'm selfish, I can be thoughtless, I can be cheap, I can be this, you know, I'm, I'm miserable sometimes, I'm moody, I'm whatever it is, and stop getting angry with the person in front of us that is, then we just heal ourselves. And apparently, and I've noticed this with some things, but not everything because I'm not there yet. But um, when I do let go of something and really stop judging it 
and really love it in myself and accept it, just accept it in myself. All of a sudden, there's no more. I notice that no more people are showing up with that quality exactly. that's jazzing me up and, mm-hmm. and charging me. You know, I've noticed with channelings of Mother Mary or Jesus, it's very interesting because when people can accept that any of us can be channels and any of us can, can channel things. And when you can um, hone that skill, that some of the most beautiful things can come out. And then you look at the Bible and the Bible has a lot of things that Jesus said, but also a lot of things that perhaps he didn't say. And perhaps a lot of things that he was saying back then that were cut out or recorded. In fact, some people have suggested that, uh, well, some channels, um, have suggested about 20% of what's in there is what he said. And, and we know a lot of those things that, that are, I mean, they ring so clearly to us. And someone says, well, what authority do you base that on? It's like, well, the best one of all, my inner guide, my inner God, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and, uh, in radiance, we printed a, a channeling of mother Mary some issues ago that was so beautiful. So it's, it's interesting if people can allow themselves to be open to this, they can receive some of the most beautiful information that's in this free magazine that I published, this complimentary publication that's, that's online and it's, and it's right there. It's so beautiful. And, but only, only the people who are still listening to this, uh, you know, will, will get that and we'll go after it and seek that information out from, from channels like yourself. Um, so what do you remember and, and, uh, particularly clearly that mother Mary said or what, what her message was or one of them. Really love, love is all there is. Mm. I mean, it really comes down to that love. Love is the only game in town. Mm. Um, it, it, you know that, I mean, and, and just clearing out that, which is not love, you know, making mm. peace with it, clearing it out. Uh, just, just walking in that, that love vibration. So you're definitely more than a reader, even though readings do give healings, because it sounds like you work with people. You understand that you understand that people have these blocks to feeling that love and being with it. So it sounds like you, you probably work with people a little bit. Oh, I do. Absolutely. And I love it. I used to believe that I, I was meant to be a psychologist actually. And now doing this, it feels like I'm doing all of that. It's mm. all combined because it really is going deep into the psyche, but even deeper because it's from all these lifetimes. So now I have this the benefit of seeing past lives for them. I have the benefit of seeing talking to their deceased ancestors and finding out what the the patterns were throughout throughout the last lifetimes and how, you know, we all perpetrated this on the other and now we're balancing this and kind of what the whole overall game was because ultimately it's just kind of a game to wake us up mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not it, we don't want to attach to that thing in front of us it's just a game it's an illusion but we respect it, it, it you know we're respecting that illusion it's here i'm looking at you know the ocean here and <laughs> I, I, you know it's there but it's ultimately Beautiful. um it's what's inside and i think that's the main thing and kind of elvis that's where he was going with it that you know he's sitting in a kind of a a sad place, as he says, of his own choosing. Um, and it's and he doesn't need to be there and he's not going to stay long, but he's just recognizing what truly kindness does and the vibration of an act of kindness and love. And he says, if I had known, I would have done kindness all day long. He can see that it stretches out into all of eternity. Mm. And he just wishes now with his influence and his... Um, 
you know, means that he could have done so much good on the earth. And he's kind of in a bit of a, a pit of, he's calling it his pity party. Really? And how long is he, I mean, he did amazing things uh, for a lot of people, but he, and I, I get why he'd want, you know, he's maybe being a little hard on himself in what the fourth dimension I believe, um, yes, at the fifth dimension, we're sort of at that master level and above, but there's hundreds of d- dimensions beyond that even. But yeah, once we hit master level, like say a Jesus or Buddha, then we're in the fifth dimension. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so he's feeling it. But I was reading some of his uh, section in, in your book, and what I got was it sounded like him, but not like him, because it was his higher self you were communicating with. Is that is that right? Or maybe not as higher or a more evolved self than was here on the planet, certainly. Yes. And I, I like to explain to clients, too, that when someone crosses over, everybody thinks they just suddenly enlighten. Well, not not really. doesn't really happen that way. Um, you, what don't, ha- you don't learn all the answers to the universe. No, you don't learn all the answers to the universe. In fact, you go over with much the same personality that you had. But but you slowly shed the layers of that as you see from that little bit higher perspective. But again, those loved ones that are, say, in the fourth dimension, they're not seeing from a, the fifth dimensional perspective. I mean, with every level, you're, you're seeing higher and higher. So we can only tap into whatever we can tap into. And even Jesus and the, and the, the masters are tapping in from that. But there are sev- many hundreds of levels higher than that. So I can't imagine what all the universal, uh, you know, knowledge is. Of course, it's like, wow, wow, wow. But, um, but our loved ones come in with some of their personality and then slowly they get rid of it because they can, they're being shown things. They're being shown the lifetime. They're being shown. Uh, and, and, and we get to be, to see what, what we did, what we said, and what we thought while on the earth, not only from the perspective of us doing it, saying it, and thinking it, but we get to see it actually from how the other person saw it, felt it, and heard it. Hmm. So we, we, we become the other people that we have harmed yes. or, or helped. And it's not meant to scare us or not meant to punish us or anything. It's done lovingly and beautifully and joyously. It's just to show us where we, we, we met, missed the mark, where we could have made a different choice and to help us evolve. And it's done with absolutely no judgment and a lot of love. So uh, once they go through that process and then learn and learn and they spend more time there, they start to shed their ego layers, their personality layers, their earthly stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and eventually they have, of course, more of a perspective, more of a higher perspective. Definitely. Okay. Do you provide evidence for skeptics? For instance, when you're maybe reading a family or reading someone and talking about their deceased relative, is there any like um, confirmation for the most part, or they you're just reading the energy and they're agreeing that yes, that's something they would say? Yeah, it's it's different things. I I'm an empath, so I feel. So in other words, um, if if they pass, say from a lung disease, I'll I'll start not being able to breathe, feel like I can breathe very well. So it'll be things like that. I'll talk about maybe how they died or how old they were when they passed. And yes, you give evidence of some of that stuff. And you also, um, and then with the message itself, mine often comes from the message. So I was reading a, a young fellow the other day and um, I said, your grandfather's here. And uh, and I went on to talk a lot about it and how proud he was of this boy and everything. Mm. And then I said, um, you know, I don't know if you had a near car accident, near death 
car accident in the last while. But if you did, your grandfather wants you to know that it was him that saved you. Mm. And the boy started crying. Mm. And he said, oh, my God, I knew it. He, he had been a drinker, this young thing, young boy, and he, I guess, was drinking or whatever, and he was in a near car accident, um, and, it, and his car went out, and he was fine, but it could have been really bad. Yeah. And he said that moment, he said, I knew it was my grandpa, and he said, but nobody's ever confirmed that for me, but from that moment on, I, I never drank again. Well, here his grandfather comes in to tell him not only he was the one, but that he's so proud of him, and he just wanted to just love him to bits and love mm. him up basically. Well, that boy was just, you know, it just, it was just so nice to know that it wasn't in his mind only right. that this, his, his grandpa's really there. So often it's with, I can, you know, I sometimes start looking a little bit like them or I kind of speak the way they spoke. Sure. It, it, every, every situation is different, but yeah. Okay. So Elvis is still having a pity party. So over time, he's not getting over that. He's not chatting with Abraham Lincoln or Jesus maybe to, to get help on that. He's just, he's still a little sad. You know, I'm trying to remember, Scott, it's been a while since I've read my own book. Uh, I'm trying to remember if, uh, if he did reach out to somebody. No, I think that was Michael Jackson reaching out to George Harrison. That's right. Michael is reaching out to George because Michael is feeling a little bit on the sadder side too. Um, and he he said, George seems to have it all together. George seems to know what he's doing spiritually. And he mm. said, I wonder if I could, you know, connect with him. And and so we kind of did that in the book, actually. But here's what's in- interesting. So they are going on to live other lives. They're reincarnating. But this aspect of them is staying in that fourth dimension where we can reach them because, I mean, whether they stay there forever for all the people in our reality that want to communicate with them, but they're not just sitting there. I mean, I guess maybe that aspect is, but another aspect of them is being reborn elsewhere. Would you, would you say that? In the, the case of the guests in my book, none of them spoke to me about them being reincarnated and not to say they ha- they aren't or they haven't been, but they didn't speak to me about that. But I have had clients where I will tell them, oh, your brother's here, for example, but he's actually reincarnated. He lives in New York. He's doing this and this and this, mm-hmm. or he's coming through a family member who's pregnant right now and da, da, da. So uh, yes, because it, think about it. We are, we have God light in us and we could never house that much light in a physical body. Mm-hmm. So of course we, ha- we do have to leave a, the greater part of us on the other side somewhere. So that's what we do tap into. But often they'll tell me if they've reincarnated or I can feel it or I can, I'm just shown somehow I'm, I know it, or I'm shown it with my guests. None of them talked about that. Hmm. And I didn't actually, that's a, that's great. Cause I, I, I'm just realizing that they never did speak of that. And so I have no idea. Did they describe anything of what they're able to see or do or experience in the afterlife? Well, yeah. And Davy Jones, especially, he just, he's loving it. I mean, it's, you know, each one, again, I like to tell people too, that whatever you think is going to happen after death, actually that does happen. Whatever you believe is going to happen, truly you get, but eventually they come and tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, you don't have to sit there on the cloud with the harp. Mm -hmm. You can actually come over here. We do some cool things over here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but if you really think there's harps and clouds, that's where you're going. And so it's, it's kind of important to just keep an open mind. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that was what happened in the in the uh, movie "What Dreams May Come" with Robin Williams when 
his character dies and uh, he appears in this on this countryside but it's a painted countryside his his feet are picking up the paint and it's because his wife had created a painting that she said reminded her of heaven so when he thought of heaven he he thought of that painting literally as a painting so his he's picking up paint on his shoes as he's walking through the grass so then a guy tells him well you can just think of it as a normal countryside and boom he does and it's that countryside. So they do play with that in that movie, What Dreams May Come. You ever seen that? Oh, fabulous movie. Yeah. Love that movie. And it's so true to what I see from the other side. So okay. true. So what? how has it affected your life having these kinds of communications? What, what things have you learned that alter the way you live that other people pretty much don't know and you'd like them to know? And they might live their life a little differently. Well, wow, that's such or, a, or is it too hard for you to, because it's like asking a fish about water. Cause it's just so much of what you have lived. I imagine when you're sitting with someone and you see, man, they just don't get this. People just aren't getting this. What, what is that thing that we don't get that you can see? Well, that's such a great question. And, uh, I mean, I, I was on a spiritual path before all this. So some of this, you know, I had already had experience with, or, in meditation or through other speakers or channelers or authors or whatever. Um, and just through downloads of knowledge. So yeah, a lot of that, I, I just think, um, I think for me really is I didn't really think I'd be doing this particular kind of work. I always wanted to help change the world and raise consciousness on the planet. And I had done some work on a movie that does that. I, I've got this TV show that's going. I created a world unity design. So there's other ways I did that. But I never thought, I guess I never saw the healing value necessarily about uh, with what mediums and, and psychics could do. And that has completely changed. I really see the value and I really see how healing it can be. I don't usually do, you know, just sort of full on psychic. I mean, I do some psychic readings, of course. All that information is available. It comes. Uh, but I, it usually is tied in with some deeper messages as well, because I, I want people to get the deeper stuff, not just the fluff. The fluff is nice. I go to psychics for fluff. I want to hear about love and I want to hear about money and I want to hear that's all great stuff because it's our reality. And so I definitely give that. But I also want to couple that or at least tie it with some some other uh, things about maybe uh, where they're blocked. And let's look at some of your blocks to to the money. Let's mm -hmm. look at some of your blocks to love. I know you've wanted love for such a long time, and I can see there is a man coming. But where is your readiness for this love? Mm -hmm. And and are you blocking it because you don't feel worthy? And so I can tap into those blocks and really help them untangle those those knots or whatever. So that's I'm seeing how healing it is on all levels. But is there a bit of advice you would give people about how they live their lives that you've clearly seen and experienced with these communications with famous and non-famous people? What would you, what what advice do you have for the rest of us who can't do that? Oh, definitely. Um, and and it really is across the board. Everyone that was in the book, love it truly is it. So all the things that we strive for. Of course, they're important. We think they are, but do not attach to any of them because they just they just dissolve into dust. They become nothing. Mm. And nothing matters except how much did you learn 
and how much did you love? And we have what's called a spiritual bank on the other side. So every time you smile at someone, you listen to somebody, you you offer a hand, you do anything like that. There's It's like money in this beautiful spiritual bank. And when you get to so-called heaven, you open your bank and see what you've got there. And all the rest of the time and energy and effort that you gave to building, 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 whether it's relationships and building and attaching, I'll say, sure. relationships to money, to degrees that you want, to building an empire, having six homes, having the fanciest car. There's nothing the matter with that. I'm not saying there mm-hmm. is, but most people don't know yet or don't want to accept that that's great in moderation, but cultivating and getting in touch with our soul and our soul purpose and and connection with God and with our fellow gods around which are everybody around us yeah. there that is really the the main thing put God first basically the 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 spiritual life foot your spiritual life first and all things will be added to it you will get the money you will get the career you will get the wife you will get everything but if you're um, bankrupt inside and you're not connected to source and you're not uh, evolving your soul in, in, in healthy, good ways and, and conscious ways, then, well, it's not a bad thing. Cause I've been told there's no good, no bad, just experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. It's just, wow. You know, let's maybe try and use some of our time here on the really important things to evolve and possibly to move on instead of trying to have to learn the same lessons all the time. Yes. Great point, Scott. Of course. Uh, Yeah. We want off this, they call it the wheel of rebirth Mm -hmm. and it's suffering. I mean, even if you have a great life, there's suffering, there's aches and pains and losses and breakups and financial struggles. I mean, no matter what, no matter who you are, I know billionaires and they're suffering and struggling all over the place. I mean, you know what I mean? It just everyone's got a cross to bear of some kind. And when we really cultivate that God part of us and connect to God, and actually I once heard, all we have to do is abide in the recognition that we are that. And once we do that, oh my God, all of it is there for us. And we get off that wheel of rebirth. So I think that would be a great goal. Well, we're almost done, but I wanted to ask, what's up with Marilyn Monroe? What's she up to? She is actually um, in, I can't remember what I called the place in the, uh, what she called it in the book. Um, it's kind of a, a, a kind of a, a limbo land. Now that doesn't mean she didn't go into the light. Often we think of that as you're in this sort of purgatory and you don't go into the light. No, no, no. She's in the light. All right. But she is in a real, I always like to call it like an infirmary. And I think that she even referred to that in hers, but something like that, where she's just resting. She was exhausted from her life. It mm-hmm. took so much out of her to be everything that she was not. Right. And she is done. She's so tired of it. And she just needs to spend some time all by herself, just just walking in flower fields, if I recall correctly. And these beautiful, I saw these beautiful fields of flowers, these bluebells. Well, I called them, they look like bluebells to me, whatever they were. And uh, she's just walking barefoot and just being at peace and just, just peace is the word. She's looking for peace. Hmm. And until she gets her fill of that, I don't know where, you know, that she's going to move on just yet. It's going to be a while, but a while can be a blink of an eye on in, on yep. spirit time. Are there any experiences that blew you away? 
experiences that blew me away. Well, the whole thing blew me away, actually, because I never dreamed I would do anything like this, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So the whole project blew me away. Um, and a lot of the guests, believe it or not, because I'm not in that world of entertainment. I don't have a TV. I never have. Mm. Well, I mean, I did as a kid, but not as an adult. I don't watch TV. I don't know who's dead, who's alive. I don't read magazines that yeah. are, I don't know. So when some of them came like Waylon Jennings or even Paul Newman, I did not know they had died. Mm. So, and Davy Jones was the, the shocker that, that blew me away okay. because I met him in real life in Calgary, Canada after a, a comedy thing. He wasn't, he was doing something else, yeah. but we met in this common room and we had this great discussion about life after death. And he said, no, Lisa, when you're dead, you're dead. And I said, no, Davy, let's get you in for a past life regression uh, appointment. And uh, we kind of, it was a big joke. Next thing you know, he shows up and I went, oh my God, I know this energy because he was just in death, just like he was when I met him mm -hmm. in life. And he came in, I said, are you dead? Are you dead? Because I just read something about him. I didn't know he had died. Right. And uh, it was something about him being alive. So I was, that, that blew me away that some of these people were dead and I didn't know that. So, but the whole gist of what they're doing, I think, and what else blew me away actually was I guess if you think about these these names, I guess I would have assumed that they would have come in with tabloidish messages, you know, clearing up this or that controversy and and things like that, right. entertainment type of, of messages. I was surprised and delighted, I might add, that they were beautiful, spiritual, soulful messages that they they the intention about this book, the intention of of them, the intention of the book and certainly my intention was really to just help take people to a, a higher level and to really help them live more meaningful, deeper, soul, more soulful lives now, more fulfilled ones, but soulfully fulfilled. And I was surprised that the whole thing was done that way. And I was really happy about it because I could have never done a book that was just to get attention mm. and, oh, let's talk about did so-and-so really die that way or who was behind that, you know, plot. And I just, I, I that's not something I'm interested in. So thank, sure. thankfully that didn't come through. You wanted to avoid all that. Yeah. Uh, the sensationalist part. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's a good note to end on. That is wonderful. Thank you for being here and sharing that. I, um, I want to say your website to find out more or to book readings with you is 444books.com. And to order your book, then go there or to amazon.com, I bet. That's right. And it's called Dying. Dying to Tell You, Channeled Messages from the Famously Dead. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is Scott Ware, the publisher and editor of Radiance Magazine at radiancemagazine.org. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. This has been great. Great. Thank you. And keep spreading the love.